Coming at you from Handsome Headquarters here in sunny Los Angeles, California, I'm Lee Sanger-Golden, and you're listening to me talk on the internet. I'm joined by my illustrious colleague, Ben. How you doing, sir? First time anyone's used the word illustrious and colleague and me in the same sentence, so I'm doing a lot better than I was a few seconds ago. Thank you. How are oh. you? Oh, I'm doing well. Got back from the desert over the 4th of July weekend because uh, my dog doesn't like the fireworks. Oh, and, yes. Yeah, as you know, there's all these fireworks going on, which we talked about a couple nights ago, um, and how some people, including my wife, think it's um, some sort of um, police um, psyops situation where they're using psychological operations to numb the public to the sound of gunfire. Um, and I accidentally, while potting, recorded some of it the other night. So if you didn't wow. hear that, folks, go back and listen to it. It's crazy. There's, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out midway, is it real gunfire or is it just fireworks? Either way, it's some loud ass shit going on. But we've talked enough about that. We tried to get away from the fireworks. We went out to the desert, Yucca Valley area, rented a little house out there. And um, Nice property, like kind of a, a couple acres of land or so. And like all of these field mice have like created their own Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> underground tunnel world. And my my pooch, Miss Moneypenny, was just like trying to hunt these little fucks down and almost chase after one. So, But we weren't able to find one. But I did catch a fucking scorpion. I caught a scorpion. Out By, with your own hands? No, 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 no. I used a low ball, the tumbler. Oh. <laughs> used a low ball. Yeah. You know, I'm not drinking anymore. So, you know, I don't drink a lot of scotch. So there's a lot of, you know, or, uh, or, or bourbon or any of that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of low balls sitting around. And uh, yeah, put that little guy or, or gal under that glass. Neat. No chaser. Wow, dude. That's like, uh, I grew up in Tucson and. I had some friends that loved catching animals. I was never a huge fan, but that's impressive. Those things are not easy to catch. Yeah. Well, the impressive thing was that actually I didn't catch it in the desert. I caught it in the bathroom of the house we rented. Oh. So it seems like a cool story. I was out in the desert and I hunted this scorpion down. But in reality, the scorpion hunted me down. But I used my, um, my, my largeness as a human compared to him um, and the control of fear, which is an important trait, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so yeah, I ran out into the house, wrapped in a towel into the kitchen after I saw this little SOB crawling around in the bathroom after my shower. So I came in there and uh, stuck the cup on him, took a few photos for the gram, then slid a, the top of a beer carton under the glass and then did a little flippy flip, then took him out to the end of the property, which was this big, uh, this big gate out there. So this money penny walks me out and we're, sta we're, we're standing there in the desert, looking out at the great, great unknown and all of Joshua tree and all that beauty and, and greatness and semi untouched land here. Mm -hmm. We let this little kind of translucent looking like gray looking kind of like, Ridley Scott's Prometheus colored creature with just a hideous face, a hideous face. I mean, it's, I mean, it's tarantula mom, you know, probably thinks it's beautiful. 
<laughs> but if it was me sized, oh my God, I'd be, I'd be fucking freaked out. This scary little thing. Meanwhile, I'm pretending like, oh, I'm so brave. <laughs> I caught this tiny little thing. Um, but yeah, you're from Arizona, lived out there many years. And uh, mm-hmm. well, I mean, originally you're from, you know, the Holy Land from, from, from Israel, <laughs> as we all are. Mm, well, um, the, the uh, Upper East Side of Israel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, we need to open up the gates to the Upper East Side. And- it's true, dude. I was born. Full citizenship. Full citizenship. On 92nd Street or 90th or something. The Upper East yeah. Side of Israel. We'll get back into the Israel for a while because, you know, I'm always the guy who has to, like, defend Israel to the people who are going after Israel, but then criticize and go after Israel to the people who are trying to defend Israel. So I always try to, like, hold this mm-hmm. middle ground. It's very difficult. But, like, right now, it's, it's like, clear. If you believe Black Lives Matter, which I do, then you should also believe that Palestinian lives matter, which I do. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing, I actually wrote a letter to the editor for New York Review Books. The only, I agree, it's egregious um, here and there, but understanding very unique differences in the history and the context. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people, you know, get riled up because some of the press uses, like, like I saw political cartoons of like, Nazi SS guards, but with, you know, <laughs> Jewish stars on them, like shooting down Palestinians. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like that is, you know, we can learn from history, but that is just like a, a really gross comparison of like, you know, the, the um, industrial slaughter of people that happened in the Holocaust to millions of people. And this, this horrible, you know, apartheid that's going on right now that it's, you know, the Israeli people are treating the Palestinian people inhumanely. And that is undeniable. Um, But irrespective of that, it's not the same as the Holocaust. So you can learn from history, but comparing it to that is all you do is sort of like muddy the waters and give the, the, the folks who are defending some of the practices of the Israeli government um, or accusing people of being anti-Semitic, you give some ammunition to that argument, you know, Oh, see, see, it's just anti-Semitic. And, um, I get it cause we're Jews and there is anti-Semitism in the world, but I don't think that knowing that should blind you to the fact that right now to the Israeli government, not to the Israeli people, but to the Israeli government, Palestinian lives don't matter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I read some articles about how, you know, someone who's a bit older than me, the, the author, she was like, yeah, I mean, I used to, um, you know, defend Israel, like kind of like a little more defensive of Israel than I sometimes can be when I'm talking to like, you know, uh, to other folks, um, more so than that. And um, it was about how she kind of came around and was like, yeah, my granddaughter or my daughter or somebody convinced me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that we're just trying to find like a new like coalition, like we can we can work with an Israeli government as, as um, um, Americans and, uh, and us as American Jews, we can work with the Israeli government um, if we're on like a level ground of how we expect people to be treated. And, you know, the way that a lot of Palestinian folks are being treated is not fair. That being said, we don't have to say death to Israel, you know, and all this stuff and get everybody riled up either way. You know, every side they want to say, oh, he's your terrorist or my terrorist. Like, okay, there's guys with guns on. (laughs) I know it's not, you know, one of those, there's good people on both sides. Like, obviously, people, terrorists do horrible shit. 
but mm. I'm less interested in what some terrorist fucking did. Awful shit that they might have done at the Olympics and all these horrible things that make me fucking cry. Like a baby, when I think about them, I'm less interested in that than I am in current Palestinian lives. And I know there's 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 probably going to be some like, you know, all <laughs> all lives matter version of that. But um, I think if you are supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement, you have to be supportive of uh, fundamentally changing the way that the world lets the Palestinian people live. I mean, the way that 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 these incidents go on the border, you know, rocks being thrown and, and guns being fired. I mean, this is, this is atrocious. Like, why have we created these, these, these worldwide mosh pits where we allow this to happen, where we allow young people just like run in and like crazy violent confrontations, uh, uh, deadly confrontations with militarized law enforcement or army or, or whatever it is. Why is the international community let this crap go on in supposedly quote, civilized unquote countries like ourselves? You know, we're the bastion of, of democracy and, and Israel is our bastion of democracy slash, you know, missile silo <laughs> um, in the Middle East. Because let's face it, those people don't care about what we care about. The people who care about Israel from a military perspective, they don't care about, you know, their heart belonging in the Holy Land. And I don't know how much of the heart of Zion speaks to you. I'm not a religious man. But I love the Holy Land there, Israel, Palestine, whatever it, it, it's called, and it can be called different things to different people. I love that place so much that just like America, I'd like everybody to be able to come in and enjoy that. And that doesn't seem to be the plan right now. That, you know, BB Netanyahu is, is, is established, is annexing and establishing new Israeli shit everywhere. And God, Damn it, this does not represent what Judaism is about. And like I said, I'm not a religious guy. But, you know, I've been to Israel and I've, I've met Israeli and Palestinian people. And there's, there's not a, a fundamental, like, um, um, uh, uh, difference between them any more than there's differences between people from different cities in the United States. A dude from Los Angeles is far more different in my estimation than a dude from Boston, than a guy from, the, uh, from Palestine is from a guy in Israel. There's a bigger divide between, you know, Kansas City uh, uh, and uh, New York City, bigger than, than what I think exists between the Israelis and the Palestinian people. Everybody just want to play soccer and smoke hash. Which is why I say they should actually just do a bracketed um, um, soccer tournament to decide different zones of the Holy Land. So basically they say, okay, we're going to divide the Holy Land up into like equal areas that will be earned by earning games in a tournament style uh, um, series of soccer games. And based on this... Um, tournament between various teams composed of Palestinian and uh, Israeli individuals, um, the outcomes of these, these games will decide who gets to annex or live in or, or gets the keys to that territory. And that's it. We're done. We're done talking about this. And then we smoke hash 
And then we set up whatever we need to set up and everybody gets a fucking place to live and everyone shuts the fuck up and we don't have to have uh, liberal Jews and, and liberal non-Jews arguing with each other for no fucking reason because I think everyone agrees we don't want kids being shot by armed cops. For crime any sake, well, how could you possibly even say that there are two sides to that? No one wants that except for the fucking joker or whatever. <laughs> but whatever. You know, the lines of countries uh, uh, become just reasons to do this. And I get it. Look, there's only one Jewish state, but there's, you know, I don't know how many Christian and I don't know how many Muslim states. So um, it reflects really poorly on us when they behave horribly. That's not the main reason why I'm opposed to their policies. The main reason I'm opposed to their policies is because it's causing Palestinian lives to not matter, to be, to be killed or beaten or kept away from, from good opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, you could just also just flip a coin. It's like, yeah, yeah it's hard yeah. to, that area has been mm-hmm. lived in by humans for yes. hundreds of thousands of years. Yes. And all the modern religions yes. also have relatively equal footing on saying they were there first because it's very hard to know what was going on 4,000 years ago. Right. Exactly. And my whole thing though is with Israel and American comparisons is just parsing out how different the historical and even current context is. Yes. Jews were fleeing Eastern Europe because they were getting killed left and right for decades. Some of them went to the U.S., some of them went to Israel. Of course. And over the course of, you know, first like hundred years, it was like, if you read some history, wasn't that, there wasn't that much actual fighting. It was pretty much harmonious coexistence. And then since like the forties and fifties, both sides have been fighting each other and it doesn't justify annexation, obviously. No. And we as gentrifiers are the annexers. So when, (laughs) when people do Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and Israel had a huge backing of the U.S. because our military industrial complex is heavily linked in technology with Israel. Oh, yeah. So it doesn't well, really have much to do with... They could scrap without our help right now. Israel could scrap without our help. No, no, but I'm saying that's how it developed, but it really nothing to do with Judaism. Of course but, not. Any more than this American state emerged from, you know, a strong belief in whatever the people who started this believed in, which was frankly nothing except their, themselves. <laughs> Yeah, it was very different beginnings. Yeah, Tom Jefferson, he's like, you know, it's funny. I always thought that he was kind of metal for making his Bible where he takes God out of it. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And the more I learn about that son of a bitch, the more I'm like, this dude is so hubristic that in the the religious text, there can be no man greater than he. Because you know Tom Jefferson, (laughs) that motherfucker thought himself the the tippity top, the, the smartest, the best guy in all of that first graduating class of American snobbery, right? Mm. And so the idea that there would even be a God, and like I said, I'm not a God-fearing man, but a lot of people in this Christian nation were. But he could have no, um, no idol above himself. And, you know, then rapes himself a, a, a family of, uh, of amazing people. 
creates a um, through his 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 cruel slavery creates this family, this legacy who exists today, who are amazing, successful people who have been um, featured in in recent articles and such. There was a, a man who was the direct six time great grandson of him of Tom Jefferson with, I assume, Sally Hemings. Um, and they have him wearing the same outfit that Jefferson's wearing in, in that famous painting where he's got that ruffly thing. And apparently he was like, I'm not going to wear the the wig. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what he said and wouldn't presume to speak for him, but he was like, um, yeah, I'm like my own guy and like I don't necessarily just want to become him. So, I, yeah, I don't need to wear the wig or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh no no we're we're wandering all over the place. Um, anything else you wanted to say on that subject? And like, geez, you know, gosh, I, I know I just waded into the shit by even like talking about Israel, but it's just been on my mind because I've been. No, thinking- I did. I it resonated. And the only thing I fear is by not contextualizing it correctly. Of course, just be another rise in anti-Semitism, and it will be completely unfounded. Yes, because what Jews are doing in Israel is nothing like what white Europeans have done. Correct. Entire African continent mm-hmm. and American, Black Americans for 400 years now. It's a completely different context, different scale. Uh, there was never, in the same way that there's been, or in the way that there's been basically wars between Jews and Palestinians, not just recently, but in history, it's nothing the same as in American whites and American blacks or, you know, there's no history of that here. It's one side completely abusing and destroying and devaluing the other one for hundreds of years with really never any uh, relatively same size retaliation. It's not Correct. even close to compare. And so the problem is when they, when you just, when people make that, it's like, oh, white supremacy in the U.S., Israeli supremacy or Jewish supremacy in Israel. That's a racist. Had, that's a racist statement because there is no Jewish. Well, race. it's and and oh, so no, race is part. That's no Judaism became a race with the rise of anti-Semitism. Ah, but there's lots. That's of, what Semite is. It's that you're born that way. Whereas anti-Judaism is the religion you practice. But it's be it, the reason it's considered a race in the modern race theory is because you don't have a choice whether you're Jewish from your oppressor. Sure. I could say I'm not Jewish, but the Nazi army would kill me anyway because they looked at my family tree. Correct. You can hide it with the color of your skin in some places, but you can't when it comes down to looking at paperwork and even where you hang out and what you do. Correct. And so the only thing that I see is the danger is that it's just going to yet again increase anti-Semitism, which doesn't just affect Jews, obviously, it affects other people. And so that's the problem with making just such broad sweeping, simple comparisons or like analogies, like what's going on here, the same as over there. Well, exactly. Especially when you're comparing it to the Holocaust, especially when you're comparing it to the Holocaust, which is ridiculous, which is why I'm saying, yes, we have to be, I agree with you. We have to be vigilant about the rise of anti-Semitism, And Mm -hmm. it will lead us into our next topic because there is the potential for a coalition readjustment Mm -hmm. of attitudes towards Israel. And one of them is a very well-meaning um, and on, I would say, in a lot of ways, on the right side of history, if you want to use that that term, uh, left wing individuals, I mean, some in the Democratic Party, probably a lot in the the DSA, and they're opposed to Israel's policies. But then you have a very dangerous uh, uh, 
a group on the other side, which is the Andrew Anglins. Okay, the sort of uh, English heritage race realism guys who they're of course um, opposed to Israel because they don't want you know us the Jewish people who they perceive as controlling everything to have this militarized state paid for by our government. Those people, that's one of the main things they hate about Trump is that he, they think some of them, is in the pocket of us, the Jews, you know, the elders of Zion. Mm -hmm. And those people are truly, truly dangerous, not only to the Jewish people, but to people unlike them elsewhere. Because it's not necessarily them invading, it's their dumbass, crazy, racist, disgusting ideas. If you look at the writings of almost every heavily cited Enlightenment thinker, which then led to the philosophy behind the Industrial Revolution, which is the planeteer for our take and we can do whatever we want with it for us, they were all, they all believed in a racial hierarchy or a, a, a hierarchy of humans. Because some of the primary assumptions that allow us to get to where we are are based on things that we're saying are completely unfair. And so if it justifies a way of doing business, say, yes, and those assumptions for doing that business are completely mis are completely unfair, totally wrong, mm-hmm. and have been going on for now 20 generations, right. it's like we need to not just reform, but completely transform and reconfigure because you can't. Yes. Rebuild something on a, you know, if I have a, if I have a house and the foundation's fucked up and I rebuild the house on top of a fucked up foundation, it's still going to fall down, even if it's renovated and beautiful. So the entire foundation is flawed. And one of the reasons why is because all these supposed, you know, scientists, whether they were the natural or social ones, if you read it, most of their writings are all either completely devaluing nature on one hand, but then also this social hierarchy on who's, that there are people that are just innately better than others. And it's like, that wasn't based on obviously anything. And we know it's totally wrong, Mm -hmm. but it justified things like colonialism. And there was probably plenty of other writing at that time that didn't think that way, but obviously the ones that get cited are the ones that justify your colonial expansion because you don't want to work yourself. So you go force other people to do it. Right. And so it's like, let's just do this on zero. And it's like, and Europe, obviously, and now the U.S. is not unique in this way. Every single civilization, modern one. Has imperialistic tendencies once it gets to the point. Yeah, that- it does it by racial or what do you call it? Racial or social ordering. The reason yeah. why it's okay for us to go kill them is because they're not human or they're inferior. You know, whether it's different Chinese dynasties or... Middle Eastern ones that now emerge into something. They all, any expansionary imperialistic one have this belief. And the sad thing is that the ones that didn't are so few and far between because they lived a much, like the kind of life that a lot of us say we want to live. And it's like, how do we get there? And one of the ways we get there is reimagine. And that's why I think that line, like some people find it easier or most people find it easier to, see the end of the world and the end of capitalism right it's like how but it's like we gotta just completely reimagine i mean it's not completely reimagined we already have the imagine that everything is there all the ideas are there it's like let's let's go for it but the problem is we got some rich powerful people that think they know better than everyone else and this country is a completely 
plutocratic nightmare. Correct. So, you know, it's just what's our revolution going to look like? We don't know. Yes. And I think what you were talking about earlier is the anti-capitalist sentiment, which is uh, so um, correct that that's where we should be directing our, our, our anger um, and revolutionary thoughts is against capitalism. Anti-capitalism gets wrapped up in anti-Semitism through this. Mm-hmm. And the problem with banking in debt and its relation to economic inequality and ultimately racial inequality in that in the United States, the problem is um, sometimes when you're getting people riled up against that system, some of the individuals who has, have historically been Jews get wrapped up in those negative feelings. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it doesn't matter why you vilify a person. As long as you're you're both vilifying that person. You're in the same camp as that person. And I just don't want like our, our friends and, 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 uh, and sisters and brothers in arms in the anti-capitalist um, um, crusade get wrapped up in this, this bizarre anti-Semitism that, that comes from the other people that oppose um, this banking class, but they oppose them because they're a lot of Jews in the banking class, not because they're the banking class right? It doesn't matter why they vilify them. Is it because they're bankers or is it because bankers are Jewish? In the end, it doesn't matter if anti-Semitism is allowed to slowly infect Mm -hmm. the rest of of the world. And people say, no, 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 we're not being anti-Semitic. Like, yeah, not overtly, but there is, there are incredible unconscious biases that most Americans, American leftists, I'll have to say, don't understand about being a Jew in America and the legacy and the way we think about about Israel and, 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 and the United States. And because um, it's a weird relationship because I feel like I, I know legally I'm a citizen of the United States, uh, but in terms of like my sort of family lineage and, and who I am as a person, that is far more tied up in my people's connection to the, to the Holy Land, which is now Israel. So these two places that I belong to essentially, one legally and one you could say spiritually or historically or racially, <laughs> uh, I have severe problems with the governments that are running them. And that's, that sucks for everybody. To be living in a place you like or to travel to a country you like, it's acting like a fucking shithead. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, you know, going back to the, all the colonial stuff and the racial hierarchy that came, you know, we're still suffering from culturally our own colonial bullshit in the United States. I mean, look at the fucking buildings that, that, that you know, all of the founding fathers lived in, and now all of our houses of government are in. This like perverted sort of like half-breed between Greco-Roman, but then also Southern and American, like this just kind of grotesque uh, uh, vision of largesse and power. You know what I'm saying? That's just like, just kind of mashed together from, from, from various, you know, um, styles of, of colonial, conquering worship mm-hmm. <laughs> columns, you know, it's just, and that's so, you know, it, it's not a, um, it's not a mistake that the white house. Okay. in the Capitol building look like fucking plantations. It's mm-hmm. not a mistake. It's not a <laughs> funny little joke. And you know the, what, the what's his name the guns germs and steel guy. I mean, he's basically pointed out 
uh, that, you know, there's no racial reason why white imperialists manage through guns, germs, and steel, as he calls it, to, to basically wipe out any resistance in the rest of the world and create this whole colonial system that we're still sort of unwrapping ourselves from today, unwrapping from the racial implications, the, 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 the cultural implications, the, the health implications, you know, of this bizarre rape of the world that we allowed to happen or that the, the great religions of the world allowed to happen. It's totally insane. You're right that this racial stratification that somehow was pervertedly drawn through religion, which is, has nothing to do with anything that Jesus or any of the, the major religions teaches about, but it was somehow used for all this imperial bullshit. You know, not to mention the physical violence, but then the, just the spiritual violence of, of you know, conquistadors uh, 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 imposing, you know, these missions on people, <laughs> you know. And then there was also torture of indigenous people there. Mm-hmm. So it's not only well, did this happen and this racial bullshit happen, but then we set up these like religious torture chambers to the people that we conquer and throw them in there and, and, and show them the, the fucking light. It was, it was just not only did we physically assault this country, we spiritually assaulted it. It's bizarre. It's totally bizarre and weirdly racial. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're still dealing with it today. We're still living in the same dumbass building, following the same dumbass homework assignment that the Constitution that everyone loves to jerk off over if it means you can fucking bring a gun to Walmart, but everybody wants to wipe their ass with when it says, hey, I can go in the streets and say, what I want, or I don't want to be uh, uh, illegally searched and seized. That little fucking homework assignment has caused us so much trouble. I mean, the Constitution is an amazing document, but we need a constitutional convention, okay? We really want to make this work for now. In the same way that the Bible and, and even our shit, the Old Testament, is a, is a outdated at best way to... to uh, organize your life, I would say the Constitution is quite not quite as old as our religious text, but it has become a religious text after text after operating for its two centuries. And we need to sort of wipe it off, okay, and and more importantly, wipe off the sheen in our eyes that we see it as this fucking holy document that Nicolas Cage has to rescue from the the arms of of oblivion and give it to Angelina Jolie's mom. And think of it as a fucking legal document, a contract that should probably be reevaluated as circumstances change. The Constitution is fundamentally not a final document because of this amendment stream that we've created. And now we're seeing a little bit of it shaking. Uh, uh, we're talking about the Electoral College. Um, the Supreme Court is ruling on that. So there is sort of a conversation about how... <laughs> how this, uh, this constitution uh, selects uh, and advances leaders. So we're still suffering from this colonial behavior. And, and just like our, those grotesque Monticello and Mount Vernon those, and, and the White House, these grotesque uh, testaments to fucking slavery plantation rule of this country, just like that bizarre perversion and thrown together of all this gross shit into one, our constitution is the same thing. It suffers from all the same problems that the other states who, who uh, created these parliamentary and uh, uh, um, executive uh, uh, positions and roles um, and therefore archetypes in our society. 
And, and who knows fundamentally if these archetypes of leadership are even relevant to us today? I think the problem is the president has been, was supposed to just be kind of like the guy banging the gavel, <laughs> very similar to how the vice president, you know, functions and, and does so constitutionally, uh, uh, moving the Senate forward. But it was not supposed to be this king-like character that could literally destroy the planet because the president now is now way more powerful than King George was. Okay, so what's the fucking point of the Constitution then? You know, the English kings should just like behead people and attack France. You know, Trump could just blow everything the fuck up. So I think that we need to like scale back, legally scale back down these archetypes of, of um, power because it's become this Caesar position, you know, and that's what I'm talking about, about like taking on all of this old weird Greco-Roman bullshit is now <laughs> we've created this like weird Caesar archetype, you know, which eventually just becomes the king. I mean, that's what we, what we see is that the power of whomever that one, you know, archetypal character is, it just keeps always consolidating up to there, which is why you need to check the power. And maybe that's what's happening. Maybe we're seeing that. And people are realizing we got to do the same thing with private corporations, which are basically dictators because uh-huh. they're Correct. self-appointed and the rights and powers and privileges they're given are, have been expanded. And, you know, a lot of historians look at the U.S., some of them call it like the most advanced plutocracy ever. Like if you look at what decisions are made on high-level policy, mm-hmm. like broad-based, and then what people when their poll generally want, mm-hmm. most things don't happen unless the capitalist class yes. also wants it. And if they do want it, then it's also in their term. So it's like we've had, we have all these new pockets mm-hmm. of feudal fiefdoms. Yeah, our authority. Yeah. They're feudal fiefdoms. These little barons and baronets, you know, these little Zuckerbergs and Fuckerbergs and whatever, you know. Yeah. These little goofballs who think of themselves as Bond villains. <laughs> we let these guys rule these bizarre kingdoms that just like the president today have way more powerful than, or have way more power than many historical countries. Mm-hmm. Like Facebook then, has way more power in the world than Bhutan. Yeah. And if we look at a lot well, of the power way derives from the way money is allowed to be created in the country, they're not self-made in any way. You know, people like to point out like Amazon <laughs> didn't make money for 18 of its first 20 years. No, no one can yes. go start They're a self, business on the street and money for 18 years. So something else paid for it. And it's all with, and so, you know, that's one of the problems too, that people think that government, even people in government or out or in finance still think the government creates money, which is not true. The treasury puts treasuries in the member banks and then they make loans. And right. if they feel like instead of making loans to just normal people, they want to make loans to their buddies starting companies with the ideas of building as big of an empire as possible. So then we can use some of that money to go try to live on Mars. Yep. Then they can do that because there's nothing stopping them and there's actually a lot encouraging. Mm-hmm. Like so money is being it. made. Wealth is being made. Unearned yeah. wealth is being made. No so that's why it's not democratic because most people don't want that. <laughs> well, why but they have no way to stop it in our current framework. And that's why it's like, well, they have to boycott. People have to boycott. And so, no, I mean, but directly because we've designed, so that's what we're, why people want not just reform, but like a complete revolution. Cause it's like, we've been trying to reform it, but it's broken. 
and the way that we, and we can't, however flawed the principles were in our constitution, we can't even live up to those with our current economic and political arrangements because Mm -hmm. we don't actually, you know, we've fallen in, we've just completely fallen out of Mm -hmm. the ability to do it. And And this judicial system, (laughs) you know, going back to the archetypes, we obviously need judges, fair, um, well-educated judges filled with, with both heart and and soul, but also you know sternness when needed. But mm-hmm. we don't I'm need just... clerics. We've turned the fucking uh, um, quest to get people in the Supreme Court as an appointment of clerics because mm-hmm. it all goes through this bizarre uh, uh, pipeline of um, of religious voters and religious think tanks and religious uh, contributors to Republican campaigns. It becomes about finding the person of like the right faith and persuasion to put in this seat. And when that is the um, filter by which you're making decisions on these individuals who will have these, these speaking of little fiefdoms, these incredible powers for the rest of their lives and people live pretty long these days. If you're basing that on religion, then you're appointing a cleric, not a justice. And then we'll just have some Ayatollah ass shit in our own country. So we need to recast these fucking bullshit Roman, <laughs> Greco-Roman and uh, 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 Christian archetypes of what power is supposed to be and create our own power through revolution. And that power looks like the people storming that little fucking stage with all the senators and all the congressmen and all the judges and everybody's there jerking each other off before the State of the Union. Oh, and the president, oh, this wonderful president, he's saluting and he's, he's showing off all the guys with the lost their legs. The stupid little stage that they act their dumbass play on and they vote and they yell and the president comes in and they cheer and they boo. Their stupid little play, we will storm it and shut it the fuck down. We will strike the set peacefully and nonviolently. We will strike the fucking set and tell these assholes to get the fuck out of there. Mitch McConnell. <laughs> fuck out of here, bitch. Mm. I think we're going <laughs> to succeed though before China is. No. Well, well now China's blaming us. You know, their press is blaming us. They're calling it our flu. They're calling it our uh, flu. I Which, just, you know, I mean, you know, we, we own it now. If we're the worst, if we have it the worst, we own it now. It doesn't matter if even if you blame the Chinese government or the Chinese people directly for some reason on this. I'm, a, I'm not blaming anyone. What I'm saying is that say you are. grip on power. I mean, I just think if you look at like the plutocrats in the U.S. and around the world, they don't actually live anywhere. Tech, you know, they, they can go wherever they want. They all have their own islands now. They just see us as like fodder. Everything is a commodity. Yes. So they'll sell out the entire country to China if it suits their end goals. They so will. Saying, we're going to be will. They Chinese are. protectorate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll continue doing it. So, so yeah, we need, to, we need to revolt against multiple fronts at the same time. And we need to ally ourselves with other people who should revolt, whether it's the people of Iran who are sick of this Ayatollah bullshit, whether it's the people of the United States who are sick of this fucking one percenter bullshit and, and lives not mattering bullshit, form a coalition together. The workers in China who are being treated as slave labor, the ethnic minority Muslims who are being put into labor camps to make fucking Lacoste uh, 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 polo shirts. We need to ally with them, rescue, help them work together. If we're truly in this together, we must break all bonds, all bondage. 
free people from bondage, true fucking jubilee. So it sucks. It's hard. We have to ally with ourselves and the people of other nations who are aligned in our cause and, and maybe in ways they don't even understand, maybe in ways we don't understand. And we can't reform systems of oppression. Did Abraham Lincoln reform the Confederacy? No, he crushed it. The last vestige of the fucking, uh, what's it called? That piece of shit Confederate flag. What do they call it? Dixie? What's it called? What's the flag called? I, I don't know what had a name. I don't know. That bullshit ass, wimpy, stupid flag has finally gone off the last state flag. I know it exists all over the place still. But that shit is gone because Abraham Lincoln crushed the racist uh, uh, bullshit society of the Confederacy that was all based on economic inequality and slavery. He crushed them into fucking oblivion. Did not bother reforming them. So there's all this talk about Lincoln. So I want to talk about the Lincoln Project in a sec here. And um, also what that means for the reconsolidation of the center-right coalition in the Democratic Party. We'll be right back. So, Ben, have you heard about this Lincoln Project, this kind of think tank of um, uh, anti-Trump Republicans that are paying for all these, these ads that are running in both swing states and Washington, D.C.? Have you heard about these guys? Yeah, I didn't realize it was a new... I thought there had been... Maybe there's... I mean, I'm sure Lincoln's name is another... Uh, yes. Foundation. But yeah, this one just started months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, I see the like the 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 ads posted or, or, you know, the, um, the spots they post and there'll be a link. that's like epic takedown of Trump by the Lincoln project. And you'll watch it. And it's just like the most like <laughs> nonsense, soft punch kind of bullshit. Uh, but these guys think that they're real fucking rebels, right? This is the Lincoln project. These are the never Trump Republicans. And they're finally getting their revenge on the guy that kicked all of their fucking asses four years ago. Yep. So these Lincoln Project guys, we see all of their posts, you know, and they're these lame ads. Uh, and um, what I worry about is even if these people help Joe Biden win, even if these people or, or Kanye West or anybody who's going to vote out Donald Trump, okay, if we let these, these people help us, what happens next? Because... If these people really think that the, the, the GOP is scorched earth right now, which I do, for sort of like moderate Republicans, it is fucking scorched earth, which is why we are seeing uh, untold uh, and uh, historical uh, fleeing in the last two elections, or in this election and the last uh, midterm election, of um, incumbents just fleeing. You don't want to fucking run on this party's platform. So it's pretty scorched earth. So what's going to happen? Basically, we're going to give these center-right never-Trumpers, whatever the fuck that means, we're going to give these never-Trumpers a, 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 a place to hide in this center-right coalition in the Democratic Party until they can return and take over their cucked party. <laughs> you know, They could take over the Republican Party once again. I don't, yeah. The way I see these people is though, I don't think they care who's in power. I'm looking at the people in it. They're all part of the plutocracy. They just think that Trump is more of a threat to their transnational domination and empire building than Biden. Biden's not going to stop the plutocracy, but he's even said it. So now we just, the only thing you get by having Biden instead of Trump is that we can 
Yeah. And some of the, this more formalizing white supremacy yet again. Yeah. Well, what Biden and would do. Autocracy, but he's not going to change the no. power structure. And so it's, we're going to be. He'd do exactly what Trump. have even more power and access because they're doing this never Trump, which they'll keep the same amount of Trump ends up staying in power anyway. Correct. I mean, maybe they have had a change of heart, but uh, if they had a true change of heart, they would have given their money to grass. Well, they would have just given all their money away to grassroots organizers that have been working on this for a fuckload amount of time. The reason they started their own hack is because they want to do it on their terms and in their way and they get to decide. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just I'm just worried about the the reemergence of the Dixie Crat. That we're gonna get this like this center right um, um, kind of white supremacy supporting part of our coalition into the Democratic Party. Mm. So that's what I'm talking about about reconsolidation of the center right coalition, because that's there's true. an opportunity to really take the the Democratic Party and pull it leftward enough to at least give the idea that if we get young people to vote, they'll vote in leftist ideas. Because you're right, Biden would, you know, I don't think, I don't think he's a white supremacist in the like, the way we think of, uh, you know, someone in fucking Django Unchained. But yes, the, biz, the, the, the business as usual he supports is in support of slavery. So he'll do uh, things to make left-wing people happy. He'll, you know, he'll just try to be woke. Like he'll do like executive actions that are just like, just to be woke, you know, he'll do some, like he'll throw a bone to the, to the green people. He'll throw a bone to uh, those advocating for, uh, for uh, gay rights. He'll throw a bone here and there. But meanwhile, it's just business as usual, which is kind of what Trump's doing in a more dangerous way. You know, he throws a few bones to his weird <laughs> populist base, but fundamentally he's just, you know, trying to make deals. Just trying to make deals. Well, Trump is way more militaristic. They're both all about going through private corporations. Biden's not going to do this through any sort of emergence of democracy or having like publicly owned utilities or taking, you know, like ending the charters of certain businesses. Like Amazon is basically providing public infrastructure or uses public infrastructure and try to co-op the whole thing. So turn them into public utility. They should be paying more for roads. Well, it should just be a public utility. So they've been publicly subsidized their entire time, including now. So, but he's not going to do any of that. It's going to be, it's going to be this, the spirit or the rhetoric of, of a lot of the call for change, but the policies will all be continued corporatization of absolutely Mm -hmm. everything and privatization of everything. But speaking of the infrastructure, the infrastructure of Amazon, um, if you look at it in parallel to that could also be used for extreme, for the extreme benefit of uh, underserved people. Oh yeah. So I mean, make it a the public infrastructure so of much. getting all of this stuff to people that they need as quick as possible. If we can redirect that uh, away from people clicking on links that say, you won't believe this fucking bullshit that lights up stars on your ceiling. If we redirect that, to that, uh, to uh, uh, getting food and supplies to people in need, medical supplies even to people in need. We'd all fucking love Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I mean, hopefully we'd all be willing to pay a little bit fucking more. Well, because by being be paying pay, less. Right it's, not about being, it's not about being willing to pay more. It's about how willing we are to 
to pay less, <laughs> how willing we are to support oppression and bondage in the rest of the world to drive the price down. Right. Expecting this shit to be cheap and right here, the only way that it can happen, just like in any fucking sci-fi story about a utopia, the only way that it can, only way it can happen is an underclass. Call it slavery, call it whatever you want. It's bondage. If you're not giving people enough to live a decent fucking life, then you are keeping them in bondage. You can call it capitalism and fucking Horatio Alger uh, myth that we've created to, to keep people uh, in bondage. You can, you know, pull that out and be like, hey, if you start, <laughs> if, you, if you polish my boots enough, then maybe one day you'll have boots that can get polished. Bullshit. It's unearned wealth, unearned power. Mm -hmm. Just like the land that the uh, colonial uh, uh, imperials and, and conquistadors got, it's unearned. And it's sometimes violently, illegally earned. Unearned. Whatever. So yeah, these Lincoln Project guys, anti-Semitism, anti-Muslim, uh, uh, anti anti-Christianity. <laughs> We've talked about a lot, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Oh, one, two, one quick thing. I just looked at the onion, a great headline for yeah. here right. in LA. Staples center employee realizes he left shot clock buzzer on this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, it makes me miss sports. Mm. And I'm so not a sport person. I mean, I love baseball, but I, like, I love like the pageantry, you know, wearing a hat, <laughs> eating, eating a hot dog. Running mm -hmm. around on the grass, hitting something, throwing something, cheering. Love it. But basketball yeah. is great, man. I mean, I think basketball, hopefully, like, people will be concerned enough about, like, the safety issues with, with football that it'll sort of be replaced by, uh, by basketball, sort of like the main sport that, um, you know, and I think it has. But, you know, because it was baseball, and then very quickly, it seems like overnight, football was the dominant sport in the United States. And now, of course, we're seeing basketball surging and uh, to a lesser degree, soccer as well, or real football, as you want to call it. Like, do you see a time in our country where football actually means soccer because there'll be uh, so many people who have moved from, from countries? I, I would love that. It would be so great. <laughs> if soccer, if enough people immigrated to the United States, and this is the kind of stuff that like, oh, yes, yes. racist ass people hate so much. But I fucking love it. I would love it if enough people immigrated from this into this country from countries that called soccer football, that football began to mean soccer in the United States. Oh, all the people who are pissed off that Colin Kaepernick took a knee. All those people will be so pissed off when someone's like, oh, you want to go to a football game? And they'll, they'll get driven there and it's a fucking soccer game. Oh, I love it. So I don't get I don't get people who hate immigration. It's like, why don't you want like more friends? There's so many people that are desperate, that desperately want to come into this country and be our neighbors. Isn't that awesome? Mm -hmm. What the fuck? And everyone and people's instincts is to 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 knock them off the walls as they climb in and throw their kids in cages and yell about zero tolerance. Don't get me started about zero tolerance. We'll talk about that later on another episode. But, okay, I got two other headlines to read from the Reductress. Great. Oh, I love Reductress. Winning at feminism. So under their, under their living section, how to call out your family members for refusing to eat pussy. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Guys. And then their headline. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. 
ACAB tweets woman who identified as Cuomo-sexual a month ago. <laughs> what does ACAB stand for? Well, I don't know, but... Cuomo-sexual. It's not like Cuomo-sexual, yes. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> nice. Guys, if you don't know why That's women hate men, now. if you don't know why we're pieces of shit and bad boyfriends and assholes, bad bosses, just read The Reductress. It's great. Like, if you like The Onion, like, you'll want to read this because it's, like, it's funnier and more true to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's wonderful. I do love it. Then, we, yeah, we have their book. It's, I think it's called Winning at Feminism. It's an awesome book. <laughs> I hope uh, I can have a daughter someday so she can hate me, you know? Fuck you, dad. You're such a fucking asshole. <laughs> well, that's one reason why I should hate you, because you impersonate her with that voice. If you have kids, are you going to chip them? Chip them? What does that even mean? Throw a chip in them, a microchip, so they can... Oh, chip them. Fuck no, dude. I don't want surveillance. I, I think Kristen's no. chipped you already, dude. Shut, shut up. Are you chipped? I'm not chipped, as far as I know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe she slipped a chip onto the gluten-free frozen pizza we ate the other day, and I ate that shit. Who knows? I might be chipped. Oh, wow. And then, like, latches onto the inside of the stomach. Yeah, I don't know about that, because, like, on one hand, I, I'm disgusted by the idea of chipping my child. But then, like, also, I, if I have a child, I'm going to love them so much that I'm going to want to do anything I can to keep them safe. But does putting a traceable object in their body truly in, the, in terms of their life make them safer? Think of the odds of your kid getting kidnapped. As horrible as they are, they're going to okay. be minimal as far okay. as long as, as they are there. Now, um, okay. is it worth it to keep them safe from that, potentially? Um, to trade in the ability uh, to be private, essentially, to be anonymous, to be hidden, to be your own person, to have your own identity. Is the second? No, you can be tracked. No, it's totally. No, you want the privacy. That's the whole fear-based form of surveillance capitalism, convincing people that it's just worth it. Yes. What if? You it's have- like it's not going to fucking. You're more likely to be harmed in ways you don't even know yet from all this fucking surveillance. If you have nothing to fear, then why are you worried? That's as stupid as saying, if you have nothing to say, you shouldn't worry about freedom of speech. Yeah. <laughs> you need your privacy when you need it. Yeah, because even in, even in peaceful times, the way that data is yes. used, we know may, drives up inequality, and we know that inequality leads to a lot of negative health. Outcomes. Oh shit. Yeah, dude, if we had had chips in everybody yeah. during Japanese internment, we would just look at every person where the chip said under race, whatever race we want, or we can go and turn in whoever we want. That's fucking Well, that's no, that's under wartime. I'm saying even under peaceful oh, times, you could say, well, it doesn't really matter. But it's like even under those peaceful times, it just adds to increased Yeah, cuz if someone reports you for being Antifa and you're chipped, they'll Bill Barr will Antifa. hunt you down. Hey, dude, how was the last Antifa meeting? I missed it. Did you go? Dude, it was at the Antifa, Antifa camp compound in the volcano. I'm I'm not a card carrying member, but I go to some of the you know some of the events, um, and we're doing social distancing at the the Antifa cave or the Antifa cano, as a lot Bullshit. of people call it. Yeah, I know. And they have this they have this big um, volcano cave base um, in the Akashi Mountains of Japan, um, and this is where Antifa. Um, plots their um their assault on the united states democracy and freedom uh, so i go there they have a fully functioning monorail system in helipad so you can 
just take your helicopter in there. And as a Jewish person, I, of course, have access to international travel, uh, such as helicopters. Um, as a member of the elders of Zion, I have access to vehicles like this at any given time. Um, yeah, so I roll in and, um, you know, similar to how I roll into the elders of Zion meetings, just to kind of check things out, talk to people. I kind of sit in the back because I don't really want to, like, you know, have to, have to, like, you know, hang out the whole time. Sometimes I just want to roll out. So, yeah, we fly a helipad in, fly in with the helipad and um, take the monorail to the meeting. And there's, like, a big model of the whole world. And, um, yeah, so we, we plot out. We have little models of all the different cities. So we've got a little model of, of, of New York. We have a little model of uh, um, Los Angeles and San Francisco and, you know, all the places where there's protests. Uh, Baltimore, uh, little models of all these cities. And then we plan where we're going to send our guys. And from there, um, we use our stealth, um, stealth bombers to infiltrate those American cities kind of, and, and, and drop people off, kind of like an X-Men where they take that sweet-ass jet and they drop people off on their missions. And then we have several jets, because Antifa is such a large organization, that we drive or we fly out to all the cities and we just like airdrop everybody in. And there's the, there are these Antifa commandos trained by this organization um, and equipped with <laughs> bike helmets. <laughs> really? Wait, which kind? It was like really high end. No, ones, just like, like a just like a fucking tracked out. Just like um, a big five low safety rating, you know, helmet. Okay. Like okay. basically Antifa like our, it's like reused styrofoam yeah. from previous accidents. Yeah, like our equipment is basically like those guys at the beginning of Dark Knight that are pretending to be Batman, you know, just like. Yeah, they're so environmentalist that they like take broken helmets and wear those. It's <laughs> yeah. like safety. Yeah. Like, but I was recycling the styrofoam. Exactly. You know, just. Okay, I love it. I'm down. I'm yeah, in. so Antifa's good. Yeah, so we were all, so I went on this expedition just like as an observer. So I got, um, you know, I put on my gear, my bike helmet. Um, and, uh, you know, like one of those outfits that like the ump wears in baseball, <laughs> like the big, yeah, uh, like the big pad and also the catcher wears it, like a big pad thing. So I put that on, I put on a bike helmet and I got a sweet wiffle bat and then I got some knee pads and shin pads, uh, from the, uh, inline skating section of, shin of, of the store. And so I was ready and ready to go for Antifa. So we infiltrated <laughs> these cities um, and, um, we attacked the police and lit them on fire. Jesus. Yeah, so wait, I thought you're Antifa. Yeah. Yeah. Antifa is a terrorist organization. Large terrorist no, organization. No, no, no. It's against it. No, no. Yeah. They're terrorists against fascism though. It's a large coordinated organized group with a base in the Akashi mountains of Japan that has a fully functioning helipad and monorail who launched strikes across the United States to create social upheaval and create a race war in the United States. What form of corporation? How are you incorporated? Oh, I mean, it's all crypto. It's all crypto. So, But you must have like a tax status, right? Like you have in articles of incorporation? Mm, we're a Delaware corporation. Oh, you're a Delaware? Do you have multiple, do you have like a holding company and multiple LLCs, LPs? Like how do you structure? Yeah. Um, well, we use as our, um, as our holding company, uh, we actually use Fruit of the Limb. Fruit of the Loom, sorry. Fruit of the Loom, the, under, the underpants ah. brand. The uncom okay. uncomfortable ass underpants. That is what Antifa uses as the tax haven to, uh, to mm. run these terrorist uh, operations. So Bill Barr, the FBI, they're on to us. White. What's that? 
So taking it out your so it's like taking out your dirty laundry uh-huh. and airing out your dirty Correct. laundry. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Like and then, yeah, I mean, there's coordination with the elders of Zion, of course. Uh, and uh, that's pretty much how it works. So, you know, Antifa, it's a, definitely a large organization that you can designate as a terrorist organization. And uh, de- it's definitely not an idea. It's definitely a organization. We're, of course, a organization or an organization. An organization. Anyway. Well, Ben, any parting thoughts today? We've discussed a lot. We've discussed how the Lincoln Project is the, the, the hero we need to, to save America. And um, that's about it. <laughs> I just want a bagel. You want a bagel? Dude, oh, we're talking oh. about anti-Semitism and all this stuff. And then you're like, oh, I'm like, so what are you going to do after this podcast? I'm, like, I'm going to get the bagel. Well, I, I said I want one. I don't have anywhere to go because oh, you're too cheap. Can't so afford. Oh, so the anti-Semitism so bad. There's nowhere to get them. They don't get out of them. here, you dirty Jew. We don't serve your kind bagels, even You've though that means we have no customers. <laughs> and we're Jewish. I don't know why we're doing this, <sighs> but we don't serve your kind here. Come on, get, get. I say get. Oh boy, man, you're crazy. Well, folks. Folks, 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 thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Ben. Um, and uh, thank you, Antifa and the Elders of Zion for sponsoring this content like you always do. Um, and go ahead and join us in the revolution, a peaceful revolution to take over this country, to tear down the set and uh, reimagine the archetypes of power in our country so we can live together in peace for a thousand years and beyond. Mm, thank you for that. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, world. I've charted out the solution. I've given it to you, America. Go on and fulfill. For Ben, for Lee, for Antifa, I'm Lee Singer Golden, and you're listening to me talk on the internet. <laughs>